A couple of weeks ago, a trending topic, a trending phrase skyrocketed to the top of the most searched chart. Ominous, terrifying, disappointing. All of these things, it certainly is and was. In fact, you could probably still find it if you go to Pastor Google. Here are the two words or the phrase. Disease X. Disease X. What sparked the search for these words was the most recent meeting of world leaders and the World Health Organization. The phrase disease X is a term that is used to describe the hypothetical scenario of another pandemic. And this is something that is always being considered by these world leaders. Because ultimately these world leaders, organizations, and the powers that be are always hatching a vision of what they believe is inevitable, of what's next. And what they believe is next for us, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news here today, but what they believe is next for us is a pandemic that is 25 times worse than the previous pandemic. Mm. No matter how ominous, disappointing their ideas for the future might be, what we have to understand is this. Their vision centers around what they believe is inevitable. Their vision centers around what they believe will happen. Now that I have effectively depressed you, may I say something exciting. That is, likewise, our vision should be centered around what we believe is inevitable. You see, the vision for the church ought to be something that centers around what's next, what we believe absolutely will happen. And we shouldn't be surprised that there's disease, there's discord, there's wars and rumors of wars, there's pestilence, there's nation rising against nation because Jesus and the other Moments in the word of God throughout the epistles and then of course in the book of Revelation told of these things that inevitably would happen in the last days. Jesus spoke of these things and so certainly it should not come as a surprise to the church that these things are actually taking place. It is a sign that we are living in what I believe are the final days. But can I also say to the church that it is important that we remember what is matched with those inevitable negative events because also what's next for the church Jesus says, and the book of Acts tells us, and the epistles tells us, is that the Lord spoke that on the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and that there's going to be a prophetic word that enters in. So when we form a vision as a church, we form a vision around what we believe is inevitable. And can I remember or remind you today of what we ought to all remember is what's next and inevitable for us, and that is God's about to send growth to the church 
Can I tell you God's about to connect the church together in vibrant community because that last day church may be a church that has diversity in so many points, but they are connected together because they have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. May I also remind you that what is next for the church in this day and this hour is that there is going to be a spiritual awakening like none other. I believe that we're going to watch as a generation grows tired of the sin and the brokenness and the lies of government and politicians. And I'm not here to wage a social war. That is not the gospel. But when we see the word of God come to fulfillment, what we see is a generation that responds to the call of God and I believe that we're about to be a part of something that our forefathers have prayed about and desired I believe the time is now I believe the revival is here I believe that God has called us to be a part of the inevitable can I just say when I talk about revival I'm not just speaking today about a moment in time or a few days. I'm talking about a spirit that gets a hold of a generation that says, Lord, we're not here to just have a social gathering. We're not here to just be another church or to form a denomination or an organization. All of those things have their place. And I'm not trying to pit one good thing against another. But what I am saying is what God's word prophesies of and speaks of and says is inevitable. It can't be boxed in. It can't be quantified. No, it's a spirit of revival that gets a hold of a culture and gets a hold of a generation and it stirs them. I believe that's inevitable. Can I just say to you, church planting's not fun enough to do unless you believe that's inevitable. There's not enough benefits to torture yourself starting something new. No, you have to have a stalwart belief within you that says, God, we are, we are here for such a time as this. This is a generation that's going to see life change, and it is inevitable. So when we form our vision, and I believe we have a beautiful vision at Stello Church, it is not a vision that forms itself based on good marketing and then compares notes with the Scripture. No, it's the opposite. We take the word of God and we say, Lord, let it be that your word is what is the center and the birthplace of the vision for Stello Church. And I will tell you, Apostello, Apostolic, Stello Church, we are going to see in the 21st century the same miracles, signs, and wonders and revival that they saw in the book of Acts. Why? Because God is the same. Yes. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. Can I get an amen from somebody that believes it? Yes, you've walked into a church that gets fired up about vision. Because when we're talking about vision, we're talking about God's vision for the church. We're talking about the inevitable. We're talking about what's next. We're talking about a church that gets to be a part. It's almost like in my mind I can see it. It feels like a tidal wave of revival, a tsunami of God's spirit just washing over the earth. I get to be a part of that, and it's exciting. And so, yes, we have a vision for Stello Church, and it's more than just buzzwords or catchphrases. It's something derived from the very word of God. In fact, you'll hear us say our vision statement, bonus points if you say it with me, and that is embrace the difference to be the difference. 
embrace the difference, to be the difference. Do you know that that is a shortened phrase of our, our larger vision statement, which is embrace the difference of God's word so that you can be the difference in your world. Because when you embrace God's word, number one, his word is different. It's different than culture. It's counterculture. It's its own thing altogether. But the Bible says that there's life in this word. And anybody that embraces it, the soul begins to convert, begins to change. We have no power on our own. Paul said, he said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. In fact, when we preach the cross, if you look at it through the context of the Jew or the Greek, the Jew will say that it's weak and the Greek will look and say it's foolishness. So whatever your philosophy or your background might be, if you just look at the word of God... And you think, well, it's just like anything else. You will think that it comes up short. But can I just say to you, this is a living word. This is a transformative word. This is where all truth comes from. There's not truth that exists that didn't come from here first. This is the origin of truth. This word has everything that we need inside of it to see transformation, to see the fulfillment of revival. This word is the base. I don't know about you, but I've just, I just want to fall in love with it again. And, and we're going to talk vision today, but you've got to allow me to just establish a foundation and a base and remind everybody in this room that all that we do is centered in the Word of God because the Word of God is what truly makes the difference in our lives. In fact, I, I wrote this down this week from reading some, some inspirational thought around the Word of God. Tim Keller writes this, We must understand that not only in general is the Bible true, but but also that in the Bible, God's word is identical with his action. When he says, let there be light, there is light. When he renames somebody, they automatically were remade. When he renames them, he remakes them. The Bible does not say God speaks and then proceeds to act. That he names and then proceeds to shape. But that God's speaking and acting are the same thing. His word is his action. His word is his divine power. His word is him on paper. We have God here shown before us in his word. Can I just say to you that in the word of God, from the very first verse, Genesis 1 and 1, we get a look at the power of God. If you've got it, you can go to it. You can skip through all the forward. This is what it says. In the begin, God, somebody say created. Somebody say created. God created the heaven and the earth. Now, what you've got to understand, this big old Bible I have here is not just because I want to give your Bibles an inferiority complex. But the reason I have this Bible is because it's a Bible that also has a commentary. And in this specific Bible, the ASB, the Apostolic Study Bible, in the very first commentary, it points out the fact that that word created is a specific word that is different from the word made. See, when the Bible uses the word made, that God made something, it means that something pre-existed and he made it again. So he would take something, that's me and you. I was already here, but aren't you thankful that God made you brand new? Man, that's powerful. God came in, spoke his word over my life, and he remade something. When he made Eve, he made Eve from Adam's rib. 
Something existed, pre-existed, and now it was made again or made anew. But the word create means this. He made something out of nothing. There was no pre-existence. It wasn't there before. But the very word of God is so powerful that it can take what was nothing and make it something again. Why, why do I say this? Because the word of God is the foundation for all that we do. Yes, it makes people brand new. And if you walked into this room, he will make you new again. But maybe you walked in feeling like you've got nothing to offer. Well, then guess what? He will create something out of nothing. You can't stop the word of God. You can't stop this word. This word is everything. This word is life. This word is transformative power. This word will shape you and make you. You say, man, you're preaching to the church. No, 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 listen to me. I'm not just preaching to the church. I'm preaching to a, maybe a brand new member or somebody that walked in for the first time. And I'm letting you know today that there's not enough good programs at Stello Church to help you get out of where you're at. Now, we'll do our best. We'll inch you forward. But ultimately, if you want good programs, there's probably better social programs because the government's got a lot more money than we do. You can go find resources. You can go search places. You can find a better preacher. You can find a guru. But let me tell you what you can't find. What's not a dime a dozen is a church that will look and say everything in the word of God is right and true. And it's good for salvation purpose. I can look at it and it can reprove. It can rebuke. It can fix all that's wrong. But if I will yield my life and surrender to the word of God, I can be made new again. This is where the vision of Stello Church comes from it is straight from the word of God all right I had to get that out of my system I feel better and I hope you feel better too because if we're going to talk vision we got to believe that it is the word of God that transforms the heart that converts the soul embrace the difference of God's word so that you can be the difference in your world what's different about you I'll tell you what's different about me this criticized book, this thing that culture says was antiquated and archaic, this thing that, that many have said that it has no relevance in our, our society as it is in the 21st century, I put my nose in it, and more importantly, put my heart in it. And when I did, I embraced the difference of God's word. And all of a sudden, I began to change, and I became the difference in my world. So we have values that we've listed out that are some of the pillars of our church and they come straight from the word of God. Let me give you our first value and I'll only name four today. These are the four that we highlight in our Stello Steps and February 11th, if you've not done Stello Steps, it is gonna be available to everyone on digital format through the new app that we're gonna be rolling out here at Stello Church. Could we give Nathaniel, every creative, a big hand? Why do we do that? Because we know that discipleship, yes, it is in person, but if we're going to take everything else in this world and consume it digitally, wouldn't it be nice if we could turn off the Netflix and actually consume something that's worth consuming, some digital discipleship? And so this is an onboarding process that helps you take that first step, and you'll learn about these. But I just want to take a moment, and I want to remind the church of those four values. The first one is spirit-led. We value being led by the Spirit of God. If you would put John 16 and 13 on the screen, this is just one of many scriptures. The Bible says, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Spirit led, Spirit 
guided. When we walk into this room, can I just say, we are a spirit-filled church. And if we're going to be a spirit-filled church, then we better be a spirit-led church. We've got to yield to the spirit, the gift that God has given us, that guiding force of God's presence, the manifestation, the very glory and power of God dwells on the inside of the believer. Man, that's powerful. And so when we come in, we are a spirit-led church. But not only when we come in are we a spirit-led church, but somebody say, when we go out. When we go out. In fact, somebody say, more importantly. More importantly. Yeah, more importantly. When we go out, we are a spirit-led church. Can I just say to you that we could organize every system, every program. We could do, somebody say, well, the church needs to do more this, more that, more that, more this, and all the different things. And, and you know, if you guys want us to, we could just organize every night another event for you to come to. That sounds as dreadful to me as it does to you, and I'm the pastor here. That's not it. It's not about organizing more events. It's not about micromanaging the people of the church. Can I tell you what will cause us to be a church that makes an impact in our community like no other? Is when we leave this place spirit-led. Because the spirit of God will guide you, will lead you, will tell you what you ought to do. There will be moments throughout your week, if we're a spirit-led church, where you have an agenda and an idea. You've got a nice itinerary. And you know what God does? I don't need your itinerary today. I need you to yield to my spirit because I'm about to tell you where you ought to go, what you ought to say. And you know what that will lead to? It'll cause you to begin to bear the fruit of the spirit. And all of a sudden, the love, the joy, the kindness, the long-suffering, those fruits of the spirit begin to be yielded in your life. And people go, there's something, here we go, you ready? Different. Why? What happened? I embraced the difference of God's word, and then all of a sudden, I started behaving different. And how many knows in our culture, being nice is being different? Amen. In fact, you know what you're not leery of today? I was driving to church. I'm just going to be honest with you. You guys ready for story time? Pastor Devin. I was driving to church. I was running a little behind. I was, I was on Creedmoor Road. God bless you if you're on Creedmoor Road. It means you're on a one, you know, two lane. When you get a moment to pass... You better pass that slow car in front of you. He's going about 55-60. I like to go 60-65. I wasn't tailgating him. I wasn't even angry. I was just having a conversation. Staying. Passing lane opened up. I said, here we go. So I went. Well, that sounded like my blinker was broken. It's not broken. Got in my lane. Went to speed up. Would you believe that this man hit the pedal to the metal would not let me pass. I said, that's fine, dude. That's, now you're going as fast as I wanted you to go. And so I thought, well, he's probably just being playful. He's not mad. So we had a moment where we passed each other, and he let me know that he was not being playful. He was angry. And you know what me and my wife did? We didn't know he was angry. We were just being ourselves. This man has given us the salute and saying, I love you. And we were smiling when we went by. <laughs> I think he was more angry than, than, I know he was more angry than we, we weren't even angry. We, la we laughed about it the whole way to church. We were excited. He was mad, but, and he was bearing the fruit of his father. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to condemn or be mean. I'm just saying that that is the fruit of living in a culture and in a world that we're in. 
It's angry. It's always looking for a fight. But when you embrace the difference of God's word, all of a sudden the spirit begins to lead you and guide you. And it'll guide you into all truth. And you begin to bear fruit. And not only that will you bear the fruit of the spirit, but also we will be a mature, well-gifted church. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about the gifts of the spirit. What is that? And I'm not going to go into that completely today, but in the New Testament, we see that God has given gifts of the Spirit to the New Testament church, and it is given to us for edification and for maturity. Stello Church is not just a Sunday church. If you like the church how it is today, you're new here, and you go, I want this church to be the exact same church in every way five years from now. I like how many people are here. I like the way that it acts. I like, I, and again, there's some pillars that we're not changing. I'm not talking about that. But can I just say, it's, we're probably not the church for you. Because as far as we're concerned, we plan on maturing. We plan on moving forward. And as far as I'm concerned, I will say to you, I love the people that are here. And I love the number of people. It's a very manageable, good number. And it's growing. And thank God for it. But you get to be a part of the ground floor of what I believe is going to be a very large, impactful, apostolic church. I believe that. I believe that God is leading us and guiding us with his spirit. So that will lead me to the next one, which is the value. Somebody say growth. Growth. We value growth at Stello Church. I've mentioned numerical growth. I plan and I believe and our leadership team, we are primed for growth. We believe that the reason that we have a vision for growth is because we believe growth is inevitable. We believe it's inevitable. We believe that just like the World Health Organization is looking and they're seeing this disappointing future, we are doing the opposite. We are looking, and not only do we have a track record over the last few years of God adding to the church as he believes should be added in the right manageable amount of growth, but we believe the future continues to point towards growth. And anybody that understands growth knows that as it grows, it begins to snowball. But can I just say this? We don't believe in growth for the sake of growth. Well, if it, we just grow it at, at no matter what the cost might be. No. We preserve the truth of God's word, and we realize that this word is a dividing word. And not everybody that walks in will accept it. People will look and say, it's not for me. And with loving, loving hearts, we'll say, we understand that, and we're always here for you. But ultimately, we believe that God has much people in this city. That's his phrase. That's his word. That there are people in this community that he is already drawing their hearts. We don't even know their names yet. We have not met them yet, but we are priming the vision of this church so that when they walk through the doors, and by the way, that might be you today. It might be your first time. You might have filled out an advertisement online and said, you know what, I am going to plan my visit, or I am going to go to church. You might have come here with a friend. Maybe you're the people that we've been praying for that we didn't even know your name until the last week. To you, we say, welcome in. God's about to make a difference in your life. But not only do we believe in numerical growth, but ultimately we believe that the foundation for numerical growth is found in 2 Peter 3 and 18. If you'll put that on the screen, this is what it says. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we want to see disciples growing, 
spiritually. Because if we can come to that full maturity, if we can begin to walk, you know what that's going to create? It's going to create a culture that goes out and brings friends and brings people. I don't know where you're at, at what point in your walk with God today. Maybe this is your first time and you're thinking, man, this preacher is, is it's like a fire hydrant I'm trying to drink out of right now. That's okay. Listen to me. We celebrate even an inch forward when it comes to progress in the spirit. If you make even one actionable step forward, if you for the first time today, you say, I've never clapped my hands in church. That is not my spiritual or religious experience. But today, I clap my hands for the first time. Stello, what do we say to that? And can I just say too, if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, the water is ready and we celebrate that step of faith as well. And can I just say, God will fill you with the Spirit because it is a gift for everybody that believes. No matter where you're at today, we celebrate that growth. That's who we are. That's a vision for our church. We don't want our church to look the same. We don't want everybody to walk in and go, man, I got the same background, the same experience. I come from the same place that you come from. If you're coming into this place and you have no clue, you're saying, man, the word of God is new to me. We're saying to you, you are in the right place today. We celebrate that because we know that you represent a large portion of this culture. You represent, a. but likewise, if you don't know one thing about the word of God, why would you be here today? Because you're hungry. You desire to grow. You desire to walk in full truth. You desire to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we will be a church of growth. And that is what leads me to my next one, which is passion. Acts 1 and 3, when when the Bible describes Jesus and the, the cross of Calvary, it describes it as his passion. This was his passion. It's what drove him forward. Likewise, at Stello Church, we want to be a passionate church. Isn't it terrible to watch somebody who's good at something but not passionate about it? I'm telling you, it's one of the most frustrating things to see somebody who is competent but not passionate. In fact, I will tell you that there is a reason, and we love excellence. We want to do everything with excellence. If there's a piece of trash on the floor, would you please pick that up? Because we want to look excellent. If you have uh, anything in this room that you think, man, I can add some value to it, we want there to be a projection of an excellent church. But we believe that passion produces excellence. Passion is the foundation for excellence. And if in this room today you say, man, I'm just not sure what I can do. There's things that I'm, I'm not yet, I feel like the person on the camera, that's something I'd love to do, but I'm just not sure that I can be a part of that because I don't have experience in that, but I feel very passionate about serving. That's all you need. Yeah. We'll teach you any skill that we can teach you. In fact, there may be something that God has gifted you with that you're passionate about that we have not yet even been able to unlock. Maybe there's a door that your passion will open up at Stello Church that is the next step in some ministry area or some team area, and to that, we celebrate. So what we say to you is that when you walk into Stello Church, and I'm speaking to us vision for our church, when you walk in to this place or when you meet us in a life group, get ready. It's going to be a passionate place. It's going to be a place where whenever you walk through the doors, maybe you're about to come into the auditorium, and today, Jordan scared you to death. I was ready to have church. I was standing back here. I got scared. 
What are we doing? We're trying to continue to drive forward that this is no ordinary church. This is not just a regular Sunday. Today is a day where somebody's life could be changed forever. And that is what we are passionate about. You want to know why we're willing to set this up and tear this down every Sunday? You want to know why people come in and you can see them. It's like, bro, they sweated through their shirt today. I bet they, man, why would they do that every Sunday? Because we are passionate about watching people embrace the difference of God's word so that they can be the difference in their world. You're looking at people that said, God called me to be the difference. And I'm passionate about it. It changes the way I talk. It changes the way that I act. You know, you want to know why? Because we got a testimony. There's people in this room that used to be strung out on drugs. They used to be stuck in alcoholism. They were in relationships that were broken. They were pushing people away. But when God came in and changed them by his passion, by the power of Calvary, we said, we're not going to give God any less than our best. Hey, God gave us his best, didn't he? When he sent Jesus Christ, he gave us his very best. He extended his own son that we might have life. And if God is willing to give us his very best, I say to him, God, I'm going to give you my very best. I'm going to be passionate. I'm going to keep showing up. And may I just say to every leader in this room, to everyone that volunteers, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I honor you today. And I say, don't stop being passionate about what God has called you to do. Don't stop being passionate about your calling. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I feel the presence of God in this room. And finally, the last pillar, and that is community. When you look at that book of Acts church, it was not an isolated church. It was a church that went from house to house, the scripture says. And there's so many scriptures I could have used. Acts 4, 32 through 35. Rather than reading it, I'll just tell you the scripture says that a spirit of community came upon them and they literally laid down all that they had at the apostles' feet and lived as one. Now today, we understand that that was an exceptional moment, not a normative moment in the book of Acts that we see there. It wasn't replicated over through the epistles or on through church history that we can read in the scripture. However, it does illustrate the spirit of the church from the very beginning. It was to be connected together. Let me just say, you didn't just walk into a friendly church. You walked into a church where you can actually have friends. And, and the very first step that I see when people walk away from God, if you were doing, to do an autopsy on someone that walked away from God and see what was it that caused them, oftentimes they got hurt in, by somebody in the church and maybe they had a pre-existing wound. It doesn't even have anything to do with the church. But they were looking for something to be hurt by. There's something that triggered them. It brought an old wound back to life. And they say, well, I just can't trust the church. Let me just be the first to give you this news. You ready? We're not a perfect church. If you walked in here and you are going to call me pastor or you do call me pastor, May I say to you, I will accidentally hurt you. I won't respond quick enough. I'll miss an opportunity. I'll, I'll, I'll stumble over my words. I'll fall short. Now, I'll do my very best, but I'll fall short. Likewise, people in this room will disappoint you. 
But that in no way, shape, or form is ever a justification in Scripture to walk away from the community. In fact, that ought to, this is how I say it. I'll tell you again and again this. When you see somebody in the church make a mistake, fall short, you ought to get excited. Because two things are happening. One, you get to see that you're a part of a church that is constantly growing. And that is a sign to you that, hey, if they can mess up, if they can fall short, then I'm in good company. Because I mess up and I fall short. And here's the second reason why it ought to excite you. Because Jesus said that you judge others with the same judgment that you want to be judged with. So whatever you want to be judged with, however, however extensively or harshly you want to be judged, judge others. So when somebody messes up, guess what you get an opportunity to do? You and I get an opportunity to invest in our own mercy. Oh, they messed up. They fell short. The community, the community failed me. Pastor missed it. But guess what? Now I get to go put in my bank account of mercy a surplus because I'm going to mess up. And if I will show love to others and forgiveness and grace to others, then the community can be a real apostolic community. It can really be like the apostles' uh, church that they birthed. It can really be like the book of Acts because I'm telling you, go read the book of Acts. You'll see prejudice. You'll see problems. You'll see issues. You'll see even the apostle Peter who, when he got around his Jewish friends, wanted to pretend like the Gentiles didn't exist. Now, this was the man that preached on, on the day of Pentecost, feeling social pressure and isolating a group of people. Ooh, that's what community looks like. That's what the book of Acts community looks like. We're not perfect, but we are united. We're not perfect, but we are together. And that's why I say to you, get into a life group. Take one night out of your week or every other week. Connect with the body of Christ. Be intentional about fostering community because you want to see growth in your life. Well, life grows at the pace of relationships. You will grow in the context of community. You don't grow by yourself. I die when I'm by myself, but when I'm with people, I can see the vision that God has for my life come to life again. And in this room today, that's why we put this as a pillar. And I want to encourage everyone, get connected to the community of God. All of these things, I won't be much longer, all of these things, they point to the Blueprint Church. What's the blueprint church? The book of Acts. It's the first century church. We see in the book of Acts, if you exposit the book of Acts, what you will find is that there's two major values that you can pull. I'm sure more, but two primary ones I'll, I'll point at today. The first value when you read the book of Acts is you will find history. It's written as a history book. I would encourage everybody in this room, if you have not read the book of Acts you should go read it. It is amazing. It is the birthplace of the Christian church. And that's not disputed among any denominations. No matter what your denomination is or how you were raised, everyone will tell you that the book of Acts is a historical picture of the birthplace of the church. But here's the second thing, and this is not as agreed upon. The other major value that you will pull is theology. Doctrine. Truth, a plan of salvation, the original message, the apostles' doctrine, 
It's right there. And the reason I believe this is not just because it agrees with the rest of Scripture, which is true of the entire Bible, that it all supports itself. But I also believe it because the writer, Luke, who also wrote, you ready? This is going to be revelatory. The book of Luke wrote the book of Acts as a second part. So Luke and Acts go together, and both open by him addressing Theophilus, which is a really fun Greek name. And if you're looking for baby names, Martin, what do you think, man? That's a good one, right? There you go. Theo. It's cute. He writes in the prologue. He said, I'm writing to this to you, and this is what he says. These things which are most surely believed. These things that we, who? The apostles, the original, the ones that are sent out. And can I just take a side road and remind you where stello comes from? It is a Greek word, which means to be sent out. Sent out one, where you get apostello or apostle. And so what does he say? He says, when you read the book of Acts, what you're going to pick up on is you're going to pick up on the things that the apostles most surely believed. So when you read it, it's not just history. Because there's a large group and a large portion of people, especially in this region. I'm not speaking disparagingly of anybody today. I'm just telling you the facts because I want you to be able to defend what you believe and what is taught here. And this group is called cessationist. That's where you get the word cease, to stop. That will look and say the book of Acts, all the power of the Spirit, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, they ceased or stopped. When the last apostle died or that first church began to birth new generations of church. And today we live in a different era, a different age. It's not the same age. To that I say, you came too late to convince me. <laughs> to that I say, you should probably mention this belief in theology to the nation of Brazil that statistically over half of the entire nation has spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God has given them utterance. <laughs> to this I say, you should probably tell the missionaries who have watched legs that were crumbled in and broken since birth straighten out and that individual stand and begin to run around the stadium. And all of a sudden those that were pagans and non-believers begin to believe in the miraculous power of God. To that I say, you came too late to tell Stello Church. Because we have watched God feel and touch and work and move. To that I say that we are in the 21st century. But the God of that book of Acts Church is the same God today. He changes not. And if his miracle power worked this it works right now in this room. To that I say, it informs our vision. It tells us who we are. Stand with me. It's who we are. It's our identity. This is a vision series. And you want to know the, the vision for our church? Every phrase, every buzzword, every value. All we're trying to do is take this book of Acts church and we're trying to Drive it in to a 21st century language. Because we don't really talk the same. We don't really, that, how many knows that KJV can get a little difficult to learn sometimes? 
You ever read your Bible and you think, man, I'm not tired. I'm trying to go to sleep. I can't sleep at all. Think, I'll just read my Bible. Three verses in, it is a sedative. You're like, my God, I'm so tired now. Something about the KJV that just puts you to sleep. But this book of Acts right here, it's a blueprint. It's a history. It's a theology. It shows us doctrine. When you look at it, the very first verses talk about the final days of Jesus where he gives us the commission and he says, go and wait on the promise of the Father, which then leads to the church of the living God moving into that upper room. They don't know what the promise of the Father is. This is new. This is powerful. But Jesus has left. He's ascended. And now we're, being, we're just waiting and they're praying together. And when they were in one mind and one accord together, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came in like a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house that they were in. And they all begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. It was like a fire that sat upon each of them. And if it happened in the book of Acts chapter 2, it can still happen today. But I also say to you, it wasn't just in Acts chapter 2. But when you read from chapter 1 to chapter 8, you see that the the Spirit of God is poured out all across Jerusalem on, on groups of believers who are hungry to see God work and move. But God wasn't finished there because the next part of the book of Acts, it spans all the way from chapter 8 on. And it talks about how God poured His Spirit out on the uttermost parts, Judea and Samaria. This In these chapters is where you see miraculous conversions of people like the Apostle Paul, who was so against the church. So anti this. You've got friends who would hear this message today and their first thing that they would say is I'm anti that. I don't believe that. Maybe you walked in here today and you're anti this and you're thinking I just wish I could get out of here. I say to you, what can it hurt to just try? What can it hurt to just lift your hands and say God, if this is real, my heart is open to it. If you really can pour out your spirit in this specific way, then I open up. What if? I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I know what God will do to that open heart because we see it again, again in Scripture. We see miraculous conversion after miraculous conversion. We see that the church seeks God continually and he forms their identity. And Acts chapter 2 is repeated again and again. And then some years later, the conversion of Paul leads to the final part of the book of Acts. You ready for this? His missionary journeys and the conversion of all the Gentiles. Now, unless you're a Jewish person in here, that's all of us. And it surprised even the original apostles, Kevin. Jesus said he was going to do it. He said it was for everybody. If you look at the prophetic word of God all the way back in the Old Testament, it says he's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. And then when he did it, they were shocked by it. Can I just tell you, God still surprises believers with the power of his spirit. And I believe he's going to surprise Stello Church by sending us some amazing, amazing things. God can do it. God will do it. And if you walked into this room today and you need God to change your life, He will change your life. And may I say this, verse 31 of Acts chapter 28. If you read the Greek, here's what it says in English. It says this, talking about Paul, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say, with all confidence. With all confidence, no man 
forbidding him. The Greek word here for with all confidence means this, unhindered. Unhindered. What if God gave Stello Church an unhindered fulfillment of this vision? What if God is saying to you and to me today, I want to take the vision that is from the word and I want it to be unhindered. I want it to move because if you look, watch this. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 28 just kind of ends, Corel. And if you read the book of Acts, you're like, what happened? This is a terrible way to end a book. But what if it's the perfect way to end a book that never actually was supposed to end? What if chapter 28 ended the way that it ended because we are chapter 29? What if God said, hey, it was never supposed to be hindered. I let it loose. I let the word of God be unhindered. I say, let it be for our church. I say, today is the day of salvation. I say he can change anybody, anytime, anywhere. And I say that right now, Stello Church, this is our time. We have been called for such a time as this. This is our community. It's our families. It's our friends. It's our children. This is a revival. This is the age. This is where he pours it out.